Welcome to Essential Conversations with your host, Rebecca Mears, and my co-host, Luca Alex. We come to you this week debating, like actively debating what's around the corner. We usually end our shows that way, but I feel like we're going to start that one. <laughs> start, start with our... Let's be adventurous today. Yeah. We thought we would come and talk about navigating being on the, on a precipice of change and the opportunities that are present, the fears that are present, what it feels like inside of us, what it, what actions we can do that can help us get through to the other side um, and all of the things related, because of course now we're just going to go down the rabbit hole and see what we find. This is what Luca and I love to do together. <laughs> I, I like to think of this as edge territory. It's that that's it's a place that is um, usually somewhat unfamiliar, and it's not a place that is abjectly terrifying, but it's a place that causes us to kind of skitter a bit and get a little bit nervous. Um, I had a lot of that when we first started doing this show. That, that because I wasn't used to sitting in front of a microphone um, or uh, being conscious of not talking over someone else and being aware of ums and all the things that come along with that, right? Um, and and I was thinking also about the when I when I was learning to be a group facilitator and having to stand up in front of a whole room full of people and, and lead them and how many things I needed to be juggling in my head at the same time. And it, none of it was stuff that I didn't believe I could do, mm -hmm. but it was unfamiliar to me. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit enticing. It, it was, Oh, look what I could try. I wonder if I can, like, what can I do with this? And it was all of them required that I learn some new skills. Right. Yes. That I venture into territory that I hadn't been in so far in my life. And I was going to have to extend myself beyond my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes in that place, that edge territory place, we go into um, forgetting our own names because we get a little bit frozen, right? It's, right. it's a little bit foggy in that in it's that a bit territory. of a stretch and when you're it's a little bit stretched, stretched yeah. you lose some of the flexibility that you might have if you're in territory you know very well yeah things aren't all automatic anymore uh it's not habit um so we're having to um, venture into new territory and create some new structures some new routines um uh, learn some new ideas um, and experiment. And experimenting is always a little bit um, haphazard in a way. Uh, we don't always know exactly what the outcome is going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, we risk um, looking and feeling incompetent. 
um, but it's also exciting. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know, Rebecca, where, where are your, where's your edge territory right now? What yeah. would you feel in edge? The right now is definitely the, the key part, that phrase, because as you talk about these things, I can look over my past and I can see when I was in that territory before, but I'm not the same way about that same territory anymore because I hung around enough, I weathered it through the uncertainties and now feel much more acclimated to, it's like a pool at a different temperature and when you first get in and it's a bit <laughs> it's cold but then as soon as you stand in there along or you get enough of your body into it you you know it becomes easier to move through that quite literal environment both mentally and physically where are my edges right now well I think um, the biggest one I'm experiencing right now is the work that I'm stepping into that's around housing, which feels, it's almost like I'm waiting for something, or there's a part of me that wants to wait, I'm going to rephrase that, there's a part of me that wants to wait for someone and I'm putting a capital S on that someone and I don't know who the someone is but it's someone with authority and with power with influence or something to come and say yes you are like chosen to do this work or you've got permission to do this work which as soon as I look straight at that I realize well that's not gonna happen that's not that's not how this happens you just sort of move in and you start doing things and you can you can do things with an attitude of curiosity and humility and being ready to learn but still showing up with yeah but I'm here to work and and just dig in uh, or you can show up with with timidity uh, where you're not really owning whatever modicum of power you might have and instead sort of deferring 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 to people around you uh, I think I tend in in fear I'll I'll go to the second option there where I'll not stand in my power and I'll feel like I'd much rather somebody else led because surely they've got more permission or more right or authority to be here doing this thing than I do, whatever this thing is. So yeah, for me, it's in the realm of, oh, okay, we're going to talk to the city. We're going to make a proposal for a building. We're going to come in and invite people to collaborate on this. And it's, there's times when I have those hitches in my breathing, like, we're really here? We're really doing, wow, this is, this is a new depth right here. And other times when I just forget about it and I just get on with. It reminds me of the tarot card, the fool, who, who's, the fool has a, has a stick across his shoulder and a, and a, 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 a like a shawl tied up with with his possessions, some some sort of possessions inside. Like, like he's stepping, uh, he's stepping off the cliff. Oh, <laughs> really? Right. He's just, and it's zero. It's the zero card in the major arcana of the of the tarot cards. So there's a there's this this idea that you're 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 back at ground zero, right? You're 
you're just you, you're you're stepping off into literally into the unknown. <laughs> and and I think that's really important for us because I think when we're in that place, we tend to forget that we're not newborns. We're we're newborn maybe to that subject area, but but we have taken leaps of faith and tried new things before in our lives. I mean, just going to school and learning to write is one of those. Mm -hmm. So we, we do have, I mean, we, we learned about this, the concept of this when we were um, uh, learning about coaching mm -hmm. and, and it was called a AI. I think it was called um, Not artificial intelligence though. No, it wasn't. It was, um, I can't remember what it stands for now, but it's the idea that you're building on your, your life's body of work, whatever you do, and that you have had successes in all kinds of areas um, that were at first new to you, right? So what did you do in those situations? So, so you're, you're, you were saying, well, I, I know that I've been in edgy places before in my life. And some of those may not have worked out and others, you, they may not have worked out, but you learned something really valuable and others were a success. And us doing this radio show was one of them. We didn't know if we could do this because mm -hmm. neither of us, we didn't know anything about it, right? We had to go and explore it. And, and we, we started practicing and we started doing it together and, you know, we took little baby steps and. And now we have a confidence that we're not perfect, but, but we have a confidence that we right. didn't have before, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so I think that even when we're trying something that's really brand new, like you were just talking about, um, and where we may be looking for validation from somewhere or permission from somewhere, um, we still have done other things that right. we can point to and say, well, I've survived it before, right? Mm. Um, and it won't kill me. Usually it won't kill us. We're I not mean, jumping out of airplanes. Real cliff might, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even then, I mean, if you you approaching the edge of a cliff, you, yeah, you do something that's going to give you, you know, you're tied on with a rope or something. Um, and some people don't. Some people just free fall, you know. Um, so I think that's that's an important thing for us to remember when we're approaching one of these places. And the other thing that occurred to me as you were just talking is that. I'm, I'm better in many cases if I don't do too much research. I can get myself wound up and convinced that I'm not good enough if I do too much research. And I don't think that's true for everybody. Some people need to do a lot of research right. and they get a lot from it. I, I had a friend who used to write books. I don't know if he still does, but he used to read everything he could get his hands on on the topic that he wanted to write about before he ever put pen to paper, so to speak. Mm -hmm. If I do that, I get myself so locked up and so mired in other people's ideas that I can't hear my own anymore. So right. that's exactly. maybe something to consider, right? Is, is doing some research when we're in this territory worth something? Is it, is it, would it be good for us? Um, or is it something that we should stay away from because it will just scare us into what do they call it? Analysis paralysis. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's um, like, if I were to ask myself the same question that as I asked you about my, my learning edge right now, I think I have two of them. Mm -hmm. 
One of them is conceptual and the other one is technical. So I'm, I'm learning right now about how to make, how to make video, how to record myself mm-hmm. and get um, my body of work out there onto a bigger platform that's accessible electronically. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit scary for me because it's not my area of expertise. Um, I'm not sure how much time and energy to invest in it, given that it's not my passion. Mm-hmm. It means to an end for me. Um, and so, and how will I know? How will I know when I've, because because if I try too hard to do something that I don't know how to do and that isn't my passion, I get mired in the details. Mm-hmm. I bogged down paralyzed by the details Mm -hmm. so i need to learn enough to to know what's possible and then i need to bring some people in to help me and Mm -hmm. if i know a little bit then i can judge better who could help me but but the the the, i dance around edges i don't know if everybody does that i suspect that we do you dance around the edge long enough that we think well i might as well just jump in. Like, how long am I going to stand on the edge of the swimming pool before I jump in and try swimming, right? Right. And this is where I'm starting to think about, um, well, probably we've all seen by now video clips of people who are maybe about to try a zip line for the first time or bungee jumping or something yeah. like that. So you've gotten to the point where you're like, I want to try this new thing that's intimidating and a bit scary. Uh, and your courage has brought you up to the point of getting suited up and being on the edge. But then there's <laughs> a new decision point. <laughs> and boy, do we see all kinds of characteristics come out of people in that situation, right? Um, we've got the people who are just like hold their nose and jump. They just sort of take a run at it and 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 do the thing. There's some who it's like their brain is telling one thing and the body vetoes. And so you can see this literal like juddering of going, stopping and going, stopping. <laughs> I call it the push me, pull you from Dr. Doolittle. Yes. Like the animal that had a head at both ends and was trying to go <laughs> yeah, like the back into the bum is pulling you to stay back. Whereas <laughs> your, your arms and your shoulders are trying to take you over. Uh, and the legs are just like, nope, just all nope. <laughs> Stuck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing what my job, which legs are supposed to do, which is stay connected to the ground. Yes, yes. Um, I did that when I when I went scuba diving. I'd never scuba gone scuba diving before, and they they told me I had to fall forward into the water with the with the you know breathing apparatus. It's backwards. Forward. Oh no, because I wasn't on a boat. I was on the shore. Oh, so I had to fall forward into the water and breathe in. <laughs> And everything in my body said, you do not put your face into water and breathe in. <laughs> right? Do it. For good reasons. Yes. And I had, I had, it, it took me about 15 minutes to get into the water. Yeah. It wasn't the water that scared me. It was, it was falling forward into it and breathing. Yeah. Because your body doesn't know it's got breathing apparatus on. It says, we don't do this. Yeah. We don't do this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious about what happens around, is it your intuition saying to you, no, this isn't right? Or is it um, your 
this is unfamiliar territory. I don't know. I don't know what to do here. I think we've got a massive streak in our DNA and our viscera that's from the millennia of our ancestors and their learned wisdom of what keeps us alive and what doesn't. And I honestly think we have default programming that kicks in in those moments. And it takes some awareness and some deliberateness to be able to choose other than that. And it, yeah. maybe that's, that's the courage point. We, it looks like we're, we're making a decision to conquer something outside of ourselves. But what we're choosing to do is to write new programming. To say, I well, know. we're striking. Go ahead. Oh, I, that was all right. Go ahead with your idea. Well, I was thinking that we, we strive as human beings. We strive for stasis, right? We strive for competence and familiarity mm-hmm. because it keeps us safe. Because you have a greater ability to predict. And predicting what's coming next is a survival mechanism. Right. However, there are circumstances in which if we don't change, we will... Uh, we won't survive. So, and and I think that we're, I I believe we're at one of those places now on this planet. I think we have to change the way we're doing things in order to survive. And I and I see us having the opportunity that the skills, the um, the the patterning, the support systems to do that. But it's really scary for all of us to let go of the known. It's like the evil you know is better than the evil you don't know. Right? Yes. And we can see this. I'm, agree- I'm agreeing with you. I'm thinking of um, the ways that it's really obvious to see this in terms of new mandates of wearing masks um, th- to make sure that whatever is in your body is mostly staying with you, not being spread out into the air around us so that other people can breathe it in and take it into themselves. And yet, um, that we have a visceral claustrophobia to anything that impedes our airways. Again, this is down to our viscera, down to our DNA. Because there's been times in, in ancient past, maybe not so ancient past, where some of our ancestors were smothered, um, were suffocated. Um, and, and so we've got, we've got a biological uh, override that's trying to tell us if you try to reduce my oxygen, I will fight for all of it. I feel like I already got through most of the, the, that visceral response against that myself because I've, I have to use a CPAP machine. I've got sleep apnea and I have for about uh, seven, eight years now. And I still battle sometimes with the claustrophobia of needing to put this apparatus on my head at night and it, it um, impacts my breathing even while I'm awake. My, my machine is old and I think it's also not up to, it's not as fancy and doesn't, doesn't do it as supportive as some of the news machines are, but it really messes with your head because you're, you're what normal breathing looks like. And then what your body tries to make it do when it's got this other thing on it, it doesn't compute and it takes a lot of uh, calming effort and practice and repeated 
efforts of trying to, you know, engage with this thing that, that your head keeps saying, no, you need this. It's important. You're going to have to learn how to do this. And then the body saying, I don't like this. It feels, claustroph you know, I feel like I'm getting less oxygen, even though that doesn't make any sense, you know. So I've already been wrestling with that. And um, also being in a sweat lodge. Have you had a chance to do a sweat, Luca? I don't know if you've had a chance to do one. Of no, those. but I feel that way as soon as I go into a sauna. Okay, yeah. So a sauna magnified. Um, the first sweat, I've only done a couple, I think. The first one that I went into, I, 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 I'm not prone to anxiety attacks or panic. I think I came very close to one during, during that first one. And the only thing that saved me was a friend had told me before I went in a couple of things to do if I was really feeling like I was going to lose it. Because it's not uncommon for people to feel like they lose it. You think, it's, you, think you know what it's going to feel like, and then you're in it, and it's so dark, and it's so, so uh, um, heavy, that air in there for a purpose it's it's actually meant to replicate the the womb <laughs> you know like it's it it's probably depends on whether we had a good experience in the womb or a terrible right. one right? Well, it's actually a profoundly impactful physiologically for us as well it's one of the things that researchers have found stimulates re-stimulates the brain stem which allows you to heal and and develop areas of your brain that that may have been stunted since you were an infant. It's, it's also very emotional, right? It's yes, emotional. exactly. Emotional yeah. regulation, all of it. So it's an, an incredibly powerful tool, but holy dina, it is not easy to sustain. I had to lay down and, and like, like I'm all, it's all, you're all cramped up in there, but just sort of sliding myself down onto the floor with my head on the ground and just focusing on breathing just yeah. to get through. Um, but I made it. I survived. Because the thing is, what in that moment, what your brain or your physiology is telling you it's receiving in oxygen is not accurate information. And so this is where it's really important to have benchmarks that are other than that physiological response to help us navigate, to know what's up, what's down, what's, what's okay, what's not okay. And if we don't have those external benchmarks or ones that we trust, because that's the key component, ones that we trust. Ones that we trust, yes. Yeah. Then we may not have the courage to see it through. It may take multiple times to sort of like, it's like easing your way into the pool rather than yeah. doing the cannonball where you just... Well, it makes us feel very vulnerable, right? I mean, oh. babies come into the world with no boundaries. Yeah. They're, they are, they and their mother are one. And... And, and part of the growing up process is the individuation process. So we're, we're trying to feel um, safe and we don't know where the, the edges of us are. Yeah. I remember learning to drive. I remember learning to drive and, and I had to learn to drive in a standard and not an automatic car because what was sitting in our driveway was a standard. So if I learned to drive an automatic, I wasn't going to be able to drive what we had to drive. Yeah. And, and the, my brain thought that it couldn't do multiple things at the same time. Yeah. Now I could, cause I had learned to sew. And when you learn to sew on a sewing machine, your foot is doing one thing and your hands are doing another thing. And at first that feels really strange. Right. But this introduces another 
several more factors, right? Because now you're moving. My sewing machine didn't move. Mm-hmm. But now I'm moving. And so I have to take into consideration other people. I have to, I have to be looking around me all the time. I've got, I've got an extra pedal on the floor because now I've got a clutch as well. And the, with the clutch, you have to feel. You, you, you ease it out and you feel, right? And as you feel, you've got to be applying some gas. Right. So, it's, so it's, it's like it's, your brain is saying, no, wait a minute, we can't ease up and push down at the same time. Right doesn't work, right? And I remember coming back from that first trip out in the car, and I was soaked in sweat all the way down the back of my body. Oh, and my long. knees were shaking. Yeah. Not, not from fear, but from the System overload. exhaustion yeah. of trying to, to mentally handle, because I didn't have any neural pathways for it yes. yet. Right? Oh. So I was trying to mentally handle everything at the same time. And it didn't take very many trips out in the car before... I started to allow my, my body to remember yes. what it had learned the first time. Right, but, right. They, but every time you go out in the car, they introduce another new thing that you're going to be doing, right? So now, so now we're going out on the highway, and now we're making turns, and like it's all. Yeah. But that's, I think that's very true as a metaphor for what we're doing when we're approaching something that's new in our lives. Yeah. There's, there we save ourselves so much time and energy by, by doing things that we've always done before in the same way we've done them. So I, you, we all know what happens if you reorganize your cupboards in your kitchen and you put something in a place that it isn't usually. Right. Because your hand automatically goes to reach for it and it's not where it was. Right. We don't even know we're doing that automatically until we reach and it's not there. Right. Right. So I go, to go back to the car analogy... When I had to drive, when I was living in the UK, I had to drive on the other side of the road. So the gear shift is on the other side. So I had to shift the gears with my left hand, non-dominant hand. But the things that were on the steering column were still the same. So, so, So my brain is trying to switch over, but not switch over everything. Oh, that's, yeah, it's okay. So, I so I, never... everyone, every time I wanted to turn a corner, I was turning the windshield wipers on. <laughs> and every time I wanted to turn the windshield wipers on, I was putting the indicator on, right? Until my brain got used to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we're, so this is what's happening anytime we try something new, is we're, we're having, first, everything feels gawky and awkward. Yeah. And unknown and... Um, unfamiliar and incompetent and slower takes more time it takes more energy all of that right but if we can survive through it then we come out to a new stasis a new normal yeah yeah so you're describing learning to drive resonates it also reminds me of uh, my first few days when I started a job at McDonald's and when you were describing that physical, uh, what, it, what happened to you physically after the yeah. massive investment of attention and energy that you'd had to put into driving, yeah. um, I could not stop replaying 
like everything that I was being taught around how to put burgers together in which order. And it was like my brain was just obsessed because it, there was pressure of needing to make sure that you do it right. There's only a little bit of error allowed before you really start to and enter. Young. Yeah, I'm young and feeling completely out of my depth. And, and it was terrifying and super overwhelming and utterly exhausting. And I've, and it's so interesting because I have a client who recently was starting out after having had kids getting back into the workforce, started out at Starbucks. The yeah. same thing with needing to learn all how to manage making all the drinks and names of things and orders of things. And it was the same system overwhelm. And there's, we, I think we all do encounter this at different times in our life. We encounter it, I think, a lot more frequently when we're young because, of course, it's our first go at so many different things. And everything's and I, yeah. I feel like we might not remember how hard that is and yeah. to give space for our kiddos and what their every new school year has a big element to that new teacher, new potential classmates. If they've moved, you know, magnified times, whatever the courage that our little ones need to carry with them as they encounter new skills and new challenges and that system overwhelm. I think and they come home at the end of the day, exhausted, yeah. exhausted yeah. until they get used to it. Yeah. And so there's so many layers of this for, how we can support ourselves as well as each other as we navigate this territory. Because really, we're not talking about things that should be avoided, right? These are things that would be incredibly useful to us. Um, and sometimes we don't get a choice. I think it happens if you get, say, a diagnosis for some life-changing uh, health situation might not necessarily be something that's going to, you know, shorten your life, but something that you have to engage with this consciously, or it's going to be hard. And so that's one of those, everything has changed around me and you have to process and you need to apply really fast. You are going to have feelings about things. You're going to be exhausted and the tenderness that you need to give yourself the compassion and and we're all in this boat right now. Yes. And this is where we start to see and perhaps maybe have some understanding for the responses that are different than ours for how pe individuals are reacting to what is a new requirement for them that they were not anticipating, they don't know how to process, their physiology may be rebelling against, because of all these, you know, DNA and ancestral ways of being that we know, um, there's certain, like, going back to the mask thing, we can just look at other areas of the world where people live in hot climates and they wear veils, they wear face coverings, and it's a part of life we can extrapolate from that, that those folks are not really having a problem with adding a mask in there because it's not that different than what they do. Um, I mean, I might be making some assumptions there, but because uh, I haven't lived in those, and I'm not over there, and I don't know what the but change. Is. But are, the change for them would be taking it off. Maybe so. Right. And the it would make them feel vulnerable. Exposure and yes, for those especially who wear um, head coverings or face coverings, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So, grace, grace, grace. 
but that doesn't mean we get to turn away. Or if we turn away, then we have to allow space for those who are gaining the courage to, to do the thing that they really honestly believe was going to lead things forward. There's a lot of name calling, I think, or assumption making right now about why people are doing what they're doing. So we'll see people who are against masks um, calling those who are wearing them um, bad names, Whatever. right? Like yeah. insulting names, basically implying that they're sheep, they're just going along with the crowd. Well, no, there's a lot of those individuals who are also struggling with needing to do this thing that's outside of their norm, but they're doing it because they believe it's, it's going to have an impact and it's, it's bettering the society for the people around them. So there's that motivation. Sure, there may also be some fear in there around an illness that's going around that we don't even know enough about yet. So fear is a part of the mix, but it's not necessarily why they're wearing the mask. They're wearing the mask because it's meant to be an applicable use. Then we've got the other side, people who are looking at the people not wearing a mask and saying, you care nothing about other people's health. You are completely self-centered, you know, assumptions about people's um, re rationale, reasoning, and motivation and intentions around that. And it's, again, not helpful, but we can only be in control of our own actions. And we need to... We all have a personal history around change of any kind. Yeah. Of any kind. Some people, and, and, and a, personal, a personal style as well. Some people are the leaders into change and they are much more comfortable running out and trying something new um, right off the bat than other people. Some people need to watch it for a while and they right. need to run up to it a few times before they jump. Exactly. Exactly. They need more information about it before they jump and they need someone to hold their hand. And, yeah. and it doesn't mean that they're wimps or they're, you know, they don't have any courage or they, but it, it's just, it's just different. And I think we, we, by knowing our own selves, and how do we encounter and conquer something that is scary? Like, what is your way of getting into a cold pool? What is your way of learning a new skill? Do you know how you learn? If you, can, if you are familiar enough with yourself around that, then you can hold space for yourself and okay. also, you know, be assertive around um, allowing yourself the space to do this. But without, you know, you can't require other people to join you in doing the same thing, but allowing them to navigate it. You can be self-disclosing, right? You can make your process more transparent for other people. Right. If yeah, you can. Like some people don't have that much awareness, and especially if it's a new situation for them. But but some, with some people, you can say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need some lead up time to this, right? right? And I need a little bit more information before I jump. Yes. Some yeah. people need to know how the plane flies before they jump, before they parachute. Some people just need to know how their parachute works. Right, right. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm definitely one of the people that tends to jump out early. <laughs> All right, if we got to do this, I'll give it a shot. So yes. then I can report yes. back. And I'm happy to report back to other people. <laughs> sort of be the and, I'm, and I'm willing to do that in some areas of my life and not in others. So That's also true. So, you know, yeah. I, I can, I, I'm uh, public speaking. Not a problem. I mean, it makes me jittery, but but you know, basically, I say my I've got all the butterflies in my stomach, but they're I'm trying to get them to all fly in the same direction. I can do that, right? It doesn't freak me out. It doesn't paralyze me. But if you wanted me to do something physical like that, jumping out of an airplane, 
not a chance. Oh, and I'd go. I'm in. I'm in. Unless I'm going to die otherwise. So if, if it's jumping out of the plane or dying, I will jump out of the plane. Right. It's not what I consider a fun adrenaline rush. Okay. I think right? it's time for us to play a song. Yes. So we have a little bit of fun. We're actually going to play two songs that neither of us really know at all. These are new songs for both of us, so we're going to hear them for the first time while you hear them for the first time. We approached this a little bit different. We went and did a quick Google search. We were trying to find songs that ended up creating a new genre or being heralds of an entirely new way of making music. And um, so we picked a couple of songs from a couple of different eras. The first one, I, let's play the one that's older. How's that? Does that sound good, Luca? So we've yeah, got yeah, one. that sounds um, great. Do we want to introduce both of them at the same time and then we can just play them back to back? Um, we could do that. Let's do that. Let's That'll do be it. Really different. Okay. This is what we're doing, folks. <laughs> All right. So the first one we're going to play is called Summer is Ikuman In. <laughs> Old English going on. Summer is Come in modern English. Um, this is, they don't even know who wrote it. It's old from the 13th century. I think that's freaking awesome. I love listening to music. Oh, as a, no, I'm going to come back with that sidebar later. Not right now. Save it, Rebecca. <laughs> Put it on the shelf. So this, this version is sung by the Dufay Collective, the one that we bought. Um, and it's, um, this song is pointed to as being one of the heralds of what eventually came to be pop music. Which I find fascinating. Way back. Way back in the we're, we're, we're Way back. So we're That's gonna listen to first. And then we're going to listen to the band The Sonics playing the song Cinderella, which again was a genre busting song when it came out. So this is of course more in the, I think the 50s, 60s, and we'll see what the Sonics brought to the table after we see what happens when summer has come. So we'll go take a listen to those right now. We will rejoin you in a few minutes.
Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We just listened to Summer is Coming In. <laughs> I feel like I'm dragging out my English roots, old English. Uh, this is uh, was sung by the Dufay Collective, um, but it's an, a song originating in the 13th century and is said to be one of the precursors of what became pop today. And the second song is by the Sonics called Cinderella. And it was um, one of the first that was uh, heading into punk out of rock and roll. The idea of doing more with less. So a driving beat, uh, the way the chorus and the verses inter interplayed. Uh, I don't have a background in music, so I'm not going to be able to say anything more than I just read like that from the Wikipedia page. But I liked it. I can say that. <laughs> Um, those were so much fun. I had cracked myself up because I went to read, to read some more uh, on Wikipedia about the, the first song, Summer is, it, Summer is Coming. I'll just say it in modern English. Or Summer has arrived. And uh, in the lyrics, which they've translated from Old English into uh, Modern English, <laughs> evidently one of the lyrics is, looks like it's, you know, it's saying, oh, the, the bulls are prancing and the billy goats are farting. <laughs> And anybody who's been on a farm knows that there's a lot of methane being produced. <laughs> it's basically, you know, it's describing how the farm comes alive in the spring and into the summer. And it's, it's fun. So that was a, it was a round or a rota, which you could hear through the song. You could really imagine how there's layers of people singing at different times. And it was, yeah, it was, that was lovely. So we played those songs again um, because it's, it's, we're trying to remind ourselves of, the times in history when something has been brand new and it's it's being heard for the first time or being experienced for the first time and the seismic shift that that brings the the fears the challenges the opportunities um both on a societal level and an individual level we've mostly been talking about as on an individual level um how we respond to these kinds of changes before now you know what? And I want to take a minute because this kind of fits right in with, with seismic changes. Um, one of the things that we prefer to do with every show is to take a minute to ground in and to remind ourselves that we are living and broadcasting and working on unceded ancestral territory of the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the Tsleil-Waututh. We do this because as settlers, we don't have the connection to the land, to our land, that the people who have lived here for millennia and who were stewards of this land do. We, through our immigrant settler colonial history and culture, we've kind of lost that deep connection, that historical roots in the land, uh, and we appropriated it here. And um, we did so at the loss, the significant loss to the, to the people who who this is their traditional lands. And that addressing of that is, is one of those seismic shifts that I believe we are on the cusp of. We are not anywhere near the center point of that or never mind the downward slope of that curve. But there's so much restoration and reconciliation that still needs to be worked out as we define, well, where are we now and how do we do this going forward? Um, with uh, such an imbalance that was created by the colonial um, entry into Canada and the land. And 
when we acknowledge the land, we're participating in that shift in the, the, the reframing of our minds and our spirits to remember this truth, which will then equip us to have better responses and understandings of things as we go forward. And it's hard. It's uncomfortable. I have lots of conversations with people who perhaps still don't understand why do we do land acknowledgements. I don't know that they're even done all through BC the way that it might be done in Vancouver or even through the rest of Canada as a general rule. It may not be that it's there yet, but it's important, it's useful, and it's really another symptom of, of what we're describing today. This is us trying to be, I don't know that we're, we're not on the leading edge. I had to listen to many people do this for years before I got it and joined in. But, you know, middle of the train on this one to, to realize that this is important. <laughs> this is one way of, of, of drawing our attention to something that is a part of the fabric of our society that needs to be shifted. Uh, a new way of being where we are more at peace with each other and, and seeking more understanding and magnifying and creating space for the voices that haven't been heard and that have been overridden for so many years. And to, and to persevere when we're doing something that is unfamiliar to us and that we don't fully understand yet. And that uh, may feel uncomfortable until we know more about it. To, so, so not to not give up when something feels uncomfortable and to not feel that we have to do it perfectly the first time out of the gate, right? This makes me think of, well, how did I learn to do this? Uh, and this was one of those examples where I wasn't jumping out of the, the gate right away. I didn't understand what the thing was, but I was listening. So I started by listening and observing. And it was when there was a relationship with someone who seemed to be, to understand what this was about. And I had enough trust with that person and I could be vulnerable with this person that I could then ask questions and do some learning that would bring me up to a place where I could feel like I could also give it a shot so that I could try this on and see what this is about. And, and then as you proceed with that, then you become more comfortable. Now I'm somebody who, who takes time to try to explain what this is about with people who are not yet comfortable with it or, or don't understand what it's about. And, and, you know, we all have a hesitancy to put words out of our mouth that we don't, really feel we know what they mean and I think that's a good thing so that we're yeah. not we're not just parroting words that we hear other people say but that we take time to to ground in on what is the meaning of this um, it's part of being an adult versus being a kid as a kid will we will repeat <laughs> you heard little kids re reciting the pledge of allegiance in the U.S. and it's quite long long yeah. and it sounds it just sounds to them but yeah. if you repeat it enough then as you're older you can you come back to it and you start to decipher what it what it means to you mm -hmm. right so we're it's a process it's a process, it's a process. absolutely change is a process so then luca how are you specifically making attending to your perception, attending to your supports as you're engaging with this uh, pandemic world and the changes that it's bringing? Well, the, the pandemic world so far has been bringing me some opportunities. 
Mm. And then it's my choice to step into those opportunities. Um, and as I said, when I'm faced with change, I, t especially in an area that I'm not familiar with, I tend to, to obsess over the details. Yeah. So I've had to actively tell myself not to obsess over the details mm. and to pull people in around me who know a little bit more about what I'm headed into than I do. So we're not talking about masks here because I'm, I'm okay with the masks. I've got one and I, it's not comfortable, but I wear it where I need to wear it. Um, and, and I'm not unfamiliar with being at home and working from home. So that's not a challenge really for me. Mm -hmm. But what is a challenge is using the internet more for what I do. Right. And, and so I've got new equipment that's unfamiliar to me and um, I'm having to use software that I wasn't using before. And, um, and so I'm, I'm learning about what I can do, but I also had a number of ongoing projects before the pandemic hit. So this, this time has, has that the, the pandemic arriving has afforded me the opportunity to continue working on them and maybe even at an accelerated pace because I have more time to devote to it. Um, and, and, and so I'm, I'm doing that and trying to listen to my intuition at the same time because there's a right timing aspect to this. That, and, I'm, and I'm trying to sort through where resistance that I have has to do with right timing and where the resistance has to do with doing something new. Right. And, and so um, I have a whole bunch of material for a course that I'd like to run online. And every time I sit down to work on it, I start feeling resistant and uncomfortable. Now I could push through that. I have a history of pushing through things in my life. If I'm trying to push through something and it's not the right time, then I create all kinds of discomfort for myself and I don't actually make any headway. So I, so I, I have to stop and ask myself, it, am I resisting this because I'm afraid of something I'm not competent at? Or am I resisting this because um, it's not the right time yet, or I don't have all the pieces yet. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing a lot more, conscious listening to what my intuition is telling me and and uh, um to a large extent through my through my body because i can feel things and one of the things that comes up for me around resisting is this feeling it sits right in my solar plexus and it says it says oh no 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 no, no. i don't want to do that and i get i get tired i get i i can't focus i start yawning um, and and it it makes me feel stubborn and and willful. And I I sat down the other day and asked myself what you know have I, where have I encountered that before in my life? And I've encountered it when I was trying to do something where it wasn't either a it wasn't right for me to do period or it wasn't the right time to do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm encouraging myself right now. Um, this is my self-care, right? I'm encouraging myself to listen to that and to let go and go and work on something else that does feel good 
or not do anything if that feels good. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. That's and maybe we can all do that. I think that's probably helpful for a lot of us. Yeah, I've, I'm trying to be gracious with myself around those things too. A little bit of push, but also a willingness to listen to that outside resistance because it is new territory. And so it's still one of those things where if it's going to move, it's going to move. Um, yeah. and, and grace and patience with yourself if it becomes overwhelming while we're learning something new because when it moves, it moves so fast and there's so much that we got to yeah. take in. Yeah. We can take our yeah. foot off the gas a little bit and then yeah. apply a little more and then yeah. feel our way through. On off, on yeah. Off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But give ourselves permission to navigate it. Yeah. Yeah. At the edge. At the edge. We are at the edge. And it's not that we've not been at the edge for a while. It's that this is a very long edge. We're skating along it. Long <laughs> maybe we are and into new territory. I'm not sure, but but it's all it's all new and we're definitely in this together. Well, until next week. I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halex, Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalix.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo